I'm assuming this is uh, my cue. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. It's a blessing to be down here. to be down here. And that's not just something, that's I'm, not saying. Just something I'm saying. Remember, I'm from Michigan. Remember, I'm from Michigan. <laughs> I got a different situation, a, different situation, a very different situation, a very different situation going up. Going on up there, going on up there, and it's nice to be, it's uh, nice to be uh, thawing out for a thawing week. Out for a week, I'm grateful for the Chafee family, the who, has family who has in, taken in um, a family um, of four, with two little girls, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and a five-year-old, an active three-year-old, an active three-year-old, and five-year-old, and let them just terrorize their house. It's a blessing to have family that are willing to do that, and we're grateful, and we're grateful. Emma and Aubrey call, and Aubrey call uh, Mary uh, Mimi, of Mary course, because that is the uh, that is the uh, family, family matriarchal name that's been assigned, name to been assigned to her, and uh, she and has uh, just been, has been a gift to them gift and, to us and to us, and uh, just, and, uh, just, uh, just teaching them the love of dogs, the love of dogs, of course, of course, and uh, the love and, uh, of the love all things Mimi oriented, swimming, playing in the park, playing in the park. Girls have had a great time and made some good memories, so we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that. You know, this morning, you know, this morning. Um, you know, Heather and I, uh, Heather and I, are just I grateful just to greet in church in church. And I never thought I'd I come to a time in my life when just when being in just church, fellowship in church, fellowship was something that was something that I would appreciate, I would appreciate so, much. so much. And you don't appreciate it until it's, gone. It until it's gone. And then you go, wow. And you go, wow. I miss that. I miss that. So all those times when all I said, you know, I'm just going to take a true day of rest, true day of rest today and not go to church. I can't imagine. I can't imagine again. I hope not. I hope not. But when you, when you were, when you were blessed with something, last with something, you only then do you realize how valuable it was. Really was and fellowship was so valuable. It's so important. I'm thankful we're all here. Thankful we're all here. Um, you know, during the you know during the past year, Heather and I have had, of course, a, a dramatic change in the way we live our lives. We live our lives. And we have uh, rolled with the punches as much as possible. When uh, January of 2020 arrived, this is before things kind of got crazy here in the United States. United States. Heather. little town ironically called Scott, Louisiana. Our bus broke down. We actually blew our engine in a major catastrophic way. I thought it was a little ironic that it was in Scott because everything was Scott. So when the police came and checked up on us on the side of the road, it said Scott Police Department. <laughs> when the fire department drove by, it said Scott Fire Department. When the tr tow truck came to get us, it was Scott Towing Services. So it was kind of in my face, I felt like. <laughs> but we were there for about a week, checked into a hotel, and uh, took our bus, had it towed to a shop, and had them go ahead and give us the bad news that we would need a new motor. We were able to get the bus, limp it with a lot of smoke and agony to southern Florida, to Arcadia, where we had a friend who had a large barn. He said we could use his tools. He was uh, he's retired in his 70s. He says, I'm not going to do the work, but he says, I'll let you use my tools in my barn, and you can plug your bus in and live in it while you replace the engine. So I thought that was a great offer. So we spent the next few weeks working on that process. That few weeks actually turned into a couple of month process, long story short. Um, I'm thankful for friends like Tony and Sue Smith who are sitting with my wife and kids who are from Pennsylvania visiting today. Thankful for your warm weather. They happened to be on vacation in Florida at that time and heard that we were stuck with our bus. So they showed up and Sue helped Heather with the girls, took them out to their hotel so they could go swim in the pool. And Tony helped me put that engine back together. Um, and I'm grateful for their, their help that week to turn their vacation into a kind of a greasy trip. 
we got the bus running eventually, and we came up to Pennsylvania, and uh, I was singing for an evangelistic series there. And the evangelistic series was, of course, stopped during the pandemic, right in March, April time frame. Then they decided to restart the series. We ended up seeing some people baptized and make a decision for Jesus in spite of what was going on. And, uh, and then from then on, pretty much, I lost every event that I had booked. Now, mind you, this was going to be the year, okay? General conference session was happening in Indianapolis. I was scheduled to sing for it. It is written, had sponsored a series of evangelistic efforts in Indiana just before the general conference session. Because when you have 80,000 Adventists from all over the world show up in a city, it makes a lot of noise. And so what we did at that conference decided we're going to take advantage of this excitement and this exposure to have some evangelistic series and see if we can draw people into the fold through it. And so we had four evangelistic series scheduled, north, south, east, and west quadrants of the city. I was singing for all four of them and scheduling music for the ones that I couldn't sing at. We had uh, several camp meetings I was scheduled for to sing at, including one in Canada. And in just a matter of weeks, we lost every single event, 160 events canceled. So for us, it was one of those moments when you just had to say, God, we know that you see the end from the beginning. We know that you see a plan for us. And so we asked that you lead and guide, and he did. We were able to be blessed um, with enough work to make that year work out, doing some construction and just things that I had never really quite done before, but I learned a lot in the process. And, um, and now we are back in Michigan, and we are kind of seeing concerts and events start to come back like this one. So when Mary contacted me and said, hey, would you like to come and uh, provide some music for Naples, it really wasn't a question of if, it was a question of when. <laughs> and so we're grateful, really more than you know, we're just now starting to do concert programs again as of January. It's the first time in almost a year I've been really actively singing, and it is blessing our hearts in a major way to be here. It is written, also realized, I'm still singing for them. You, those of you who know me know that I'm their affiliate musician. They have not canceled evangelism in their minds because evangelism continues. People need to be won to the gospel. And so they uh, continue to have series virtually. They even actually had an event live in December in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It was attended by a lot of people, and a lot of people were blessed by that event. And I've been going to their studios and singing. I was actually just there on the way here. They tagged me as I was driving through Tennessee on the way to Florida. I'm afraid they're going to tag me on the way back, too. <laughs> One of the blessings um, behind what they're doing is they are kind of focusing in on health. Right now, people are thinking about their health. Is that not true? People are aware of their mortality, and people want to start the new year out by getting healthy. So, it is written, decided to start a new YouTube series called Take Charge of Your Health. It's very well done. It's very modern. It's very to the point. They're brief. They are powerful. And the way they're set up, you retain what you've seen. I'm going to give you an example of one here. I'm going to play it for you just to, so you can see a short snippet of what they're doing. If you have any friends or family that are saying, man, I really need to start taking charge of my health, have them go to YouTube, type in It Is Written, they can look up Take Charge of Your Health, and they will see the video series there. He's interviewing physicians and doctors and um, people who are in natural medicine, all of them together, and putting together this beautiful big picture that shows us how we can be healthy and we can live better and more quality lives, which is something people are interested in. I think you'll be uh, blessed by, by seeing this here. 
to take charge of your health. I'm John Bradshaw. This is part two of our seven-part series in which you'll be equipped to make decisions that will improve your health. If there's one thing the pandemic has taught us, it's how precious our health is. When your health is jeopardized, you wish there was something you could do to give you the best chance to not just survive, but to thrive. So let's thrive together. Welcome to Take Charge of Your Health. to you by It Is Written. Tonight, we're going to talk specifically about a disease that affects one in 10 Americans. And while more than 34 million... So what do you guys think that is? It's diabetes, yeah. Well done. You know, I don't know if it's his accent, but people like watching him. <laughs> There's tons, thousands and thousands of views on these YouTube channels for Take Charge of Your Health. And I think God can use... If we can roll with these punches, seriously, God can use something as terrible as this worldwide event to bring people closer to him. And if that's, uh, if that's a side effect of it, then we'll go ahead and go for that. Um, th this morning, I want to really talk about, you know, what we've gone through this past year has been kind of a journey. And I want to talk about the journey. That's the title of the sermon, after all. We are all on different journeys. We're all in different places in our journeys. And we talk about it a lot. I have friends that, that like to use this term a lot when they talk about this, the, the journey they're on. They say we're in a different season of our life. We're in a different season. Heather and I are in a certain season with child raising. You might be in a certain season of retirement. You might be in a certain season of, of just having an, a newborn baby for the first time. You might be in a season of taking care of your parents. God has us in different places in our journey. And yet all of those places are important steps that you can't skip. I remember becoming a dad for the first time just a mere five years ago. And the pediatricians would tell us, listen, we don't want your daughter to start walking before she does a little bit of crawling. And I said, why not? Let's just skip it all together. <laughs> I've heard of people doing that. He says, there are certain muscles, there are certain motor skills there are certain things that happen in their brains during that crawling season that don't happen if they go from not crawling to just walking. And I thought that was very interesting. I did some research on it myself, too, on Google, because Google's amazing. <laughs> and it's true. There are steps that we're not supposed to skip in our journey. A lot of times I want to skip steps, especially the painful ones. God, I don't see why I have to go through that. That's not a nice step in the journey. And God says, it's important. It's important for your development. It's important for you to, to put together that character that is going to shine the brightest in heaven. Here on earth, too. Maybe it's because I'm a dad, and I'm in that season of my life and journey. But I am very keenly aware of, of how we are all traveling together, we're all moving, we're all growing and learning, and it seems very much similar to me watching my girls grow up. So when I see, for instance, my daughter walking for the first time, I get my camera out, I get my phone out, I start filming it. <laughs> I have over 10,000 
photographs and videos of each of my daughters. That's 20,000 pieces of media so far, and the oldest is only five. <laughs> I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the little efforts they make in their journey. And God sees us the same way. I believe that. I believe that God says, whether you are a baby Christian learning to take your very first steps in your faith, you might be holding on to his pinkies because you're just a little unsteady. Or whether you're a mature Christian who has walked with God your entire life, and maybe you're the pillar of the church that we come to to say, hey, I know you and God have something special. Can you pray for me next time you're talking to him? Wherever we are in those various journeys, I think God is keenly aware and cares very much about that step. And that's what this song is about. It's one of my favorite songs to sing because of where I'm at in my life today. It's called Come to Jesus. And it's a reminder that whether you have to cry on his shoulder, whether you're having a mountaintop experience, you want to dance for joy like David danced, whether you're lonely, whether you're happy, and everything in between, as your parent, God very much cares about it. And I think this will be a blessing to you. Weak and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head for love is passing by. And come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus and live. Now your burden's left at hand, it's carried far away. Precious blood has washed away the chains. Then sing to Jesus, yeah, sing to Jesus. Sing to Jesus, oh, and live. And like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl And remember when you walk Sometimes we fall So fall on Jesus Yeah, fall on Jesus Fall on Jesus And live Sometimes the way is lonely and steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours the rain, then cry to Jesus. Oh, cry to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Cry to Jesus. And live.
Oh, and when the love spills over And music fills the night And when you can't contain your joy inside Then dance for Jesus Yeah, dance for Jesus Oh, dance for Jesus And Your final heartbeat, you'll kiss the world goodbye and rest in peace and wait for glory's ride. Then you'll fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and you'll. Jesus, oh, fly to Jesus and live. Fly to Jesus, we'll fly to Jesus, oh. Fly to Jesus and live. You know, I remember in my journey. You know, we all have this moment when we see or we hear or we feel God calling us for the very first time, come to me. Hey, Scott, finally I've got your attention. Come to me. I've got something to tell you. My wife and I were reading a book given to us by Sue. Beautiful book written by Bob Goff. It's called Love Does. Has anyone here read that book, Love Does? You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. He talks in one little specific section of the book about the different journeys that we go on in life. And he starts it out by talking about his kids. He says, you know, when my kids turn 10, I have a deal with them that I will take them and do whatever they want to do for their 10th birthday. It's just our thing. Three kids, he knew he's going to have to go on three extravagant trips. One of his daughters says, Dad... I want to go have high tea in London. Okay. Two weeks later, they're in London having high tea. One of his sons, Dad, I want to get on a dirt bike, and I want to ride with you across the desert. Okay. They're in California on dirt bikes for three days riding across the desert. <laughs> he says, sometimes I believe that God wants to take us on a journey. Instead of us sometimes thinking that everything we do has to be following a specific set of instructions, sometimes do you ever think that God asks us 
where do you want to go? And it struck me because in most of my life, I have lived in such a way that says, there's a certain path for me, and that's the path I need to stay on. And if I ever leave that path, things are going to fall apart in a dramatic way in my life. And sometimes God says, look, where do you want to go? And when I realized that sometimes God does that, I was able to get on my knees and say, God, this is what I see. This is what I would like to do. This is where I would like to go. This is the journey I'd like to take. And God may say, let's go. And it may not be the exact path I would have taken. But he is eventually going to take me there. He also says later on in that very chapter, I've never heard God's voice audibly talking to me, he said. I've always wished I could. I always wished God would show me what his plans were. Instead of me just walking this path kind of blindly, I'd like to know where I'm going sometimes. But then he realized that if God always showed us what the destination was, we would try to beat him there. We have two perfect examples in the Bible of God doing things two different ways. We have Abraham. God said, get up and go. Where, God? I'll show you later. So you've got Abraham blindly walking along, and for the most part, that trip was uneventful, save for this whole Egypt, my sister thing, and Isaac having to almost kill his son thing. Abraham marched in faith, having no idea where he was going, and that story actually turned out very well. Then you have the Israelites, and God says, I'll tell you where you're going. You're going to this promised land, the land of Canaan. It's going to be amazing. It's beautiful. Here's where it is. And the Israelites wanted it to do it their way. Read it. Often, they wanted to do it their way. They kept trying to do it their way and ended up delaying them by 40 years. Sometimes God is better off not telling us where he's taking us. And I'm okay with that. We're all on journeys. I can't wait till my daughters start to have that personal experience with God like I did. When I was 11 years old, I remember just realizing finally it clicked what Jesus did for me. Whoa. I mean, all the bad stuff I've done, Jesus is saying, hey, that's on me. It's on me. If you're sorry, that's on me. You don't even worry about it anymore. That was an amazing experience for me. It was when I decided I wanted to be baptized. I said, man, I'm going to make a public statement that I really really love God. I'm thankful for him. My best friend and I did it together. He was the pastor's son. That was very convenient. We were able to do several months of baptismal studies together and go down into the waters of baptism together. Out with the old, in with the new. Can't wait till my girls hopefully someday make that decision. Baptism is cool. You know, sometimes we, excuse the term, water it down a little bit. We, we just think, ah, you know, profession of faith. You don't always have to... Nobody has to get baptized, okay? It's a, it's a free choice, but it is beautiful. It's cool because you are making this statement. I mean, you're, you're, you're not only making a statement before God that says, listen, I'm standing under your banner from now on, so Satan, just take notice. I'm making it very clear. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Very clear, no question. You're doing that, but you're also inviting your church family and friends to see it too, which is cool because we get to celebrate with you, and that's, that's wonderful. That makes our hearts happy. And then the Bible tells us all of heaven is going crazy when someone's baptized. 
So they get to have their own version of a baptismal party in heaven. And you know, why not? Jesus died for me. The least I can do is give him an opportunity to celebrate. There might be some of you here that are like on the edge on that. This is your year, man. This is your year. This is the year to do it. Get real close to Jesus to the point where that when you are in that baptism, wherever it is, I don't know where it is. Is it behind here? Yes. And you come up and you know, you know you were standing under the banner of Jesus. Now, cool experience. When we were in Phoenix singing for this evangelistic series for John, um, you know, Emma started kind of, you know, she was starting to struggle with the fact that I was leaving the, the bus. We were in our tour bus there at around 4.30. You know, we're, our bus is parked in Scottsdale. The, the Phoenix Convention Center is technically only 20 minutes away, but you guys know Phoenix traffic is... So I'm, I'm leaving an hour and a half before I need to even get there just to get there in time for sound check. So I'm leaving at 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. I don't get to eat dinner with my kids. I don't get to put them to bed, and that's kind of been somewhat our thing. My Heather and I do that together. We sing to them. So Emma was struggling with the fact that I was leaving every day uh, for that period of time. So Heather suggested, why don't you take her on a daddy-daughter date? Ta- like, daddy-daughter, take your daughter to work day. I said, that's a great idea. My wife is full of those. So she actually got her all dolled up. Emma got excited. I mean, really honest to goodness excited. She was just going, I can't wait. That's what she does when she gets excited. <laughs> and Heather got her hair all done really nicely and braided, put her in a really cute outfit, packed her a little sack supper, and we went, just her and I. She loved it. I mean, she chatted with me the whole time. Hour and a half in traffic. It was great. Made the time go by fast. So we get there, and there's, you know, this place seats, I don't know how many, 2,000 people. It's mayhem. So I'm just keeping her close to me, take her backstage, and uh, they have a set of chairs back there for the staff. There's a big TV satellite truck back there that's uplinking everything to all over the place, and just it's just crawling with people and camera crew and all that. And and there's just my little tiny Emma sitting in a chair with her little sack supper. And people got to know her because we didn't just do this once. We started doing this somewhat regularly. And they would get to know her, and they'd bring her little gifts and little snacks. She was treated really well back there. And she could watch on a big screen television what was going on on the stage just on the other side of the curtain. And she would watch me sing, and she'd give me feedback on it. <laughs> and, and my favorite part was when the meetings were closing, and there were hundreds of people who were giving heaven a reason to celebrate. <laughs> and she's watching these people, and I'm, I'm playing the piano, and I'm singing, and the baptismal tank is right here, and I'm right behind it, and I'm just playing and singing, and I know some of these people. For the last 30 days, I've talked to them on a nightly basis. I know the stuff they're going through. I know the challenges they're facing at home. I know the, 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 the pushback they're facing from their families, and they're in that baptismal tank in spite of it all. And I'm crying as I'm playing the piano. Because I know, I know when you're dunking down and you're coming back up, I know what you're about to face. But they're doing it anyway. And my daughter's watching this, and she loved it. Her favorite thing of all the meetings she attended was seeing the baptisms. So just the other day, she says, Dad, and I wasn't paying attention. She grabs my face, Dad, (laughs) yes. I want to go on another daddy-daughter date. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? Let's do it. We're overdue. She says, you know, how about we go see people get baptized? (laughs) Good plan, sister. Good plan. I can't wait till they make that decision themselves. 
And what I am going to teach them is, listen, when you decide to get baptized, it is not a decision that your life is going to be perfect. The biggest myth we can give our kids. It is a decision that you make that when life isn't perfect, you're going to be holding on to the hand of Jesus now. Not going to walk and march on your own. Now you are chaining yourself to him and saying, God, I am never separating from you because you're the only one who's going to get me through this journey called life. The only one. I love it. This song is really cool. I don't know if you've heard it. I think it might be a Mark Schultz song. I should know this, but it's called Been Through the Water. And I usually sing it at baptisms for people because they request it. I don't hear it very often sung. But the basic premise of the story is, is this. You've got a, a kid who's being baptized in the river. And his dad decides to buy him some new clothes. Hey, this is your gift. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the step you've taken, son. Doesn't think to buy him new shoes, just buys him clothes. <laughs> a kid comes out of the baptismal waters and he ends up walking around barefoot, gets his feet filthy, and the family's going, what are you thinking? He's like, I've been through the water. I'm clean. You don't put your old shoes on your brand new feet. Preacher pulled the boy up from the water. Hallelujahs arose from the banks. There was a new suit of clothes from his father, yeah, and a prayer of thanks. The boy walked barefoot. All the way home to dinner And when they laughed at his muddy feet And he said, I've been through the water And I've come out clean I've got new clothes to cover me And you don't wear your old shoes on your brand new feet when you've been through the water yeah. I've been through the water yeah. the preacher turns them around at the altar pronounce the boy and his girl man and wife Two years they were mother and father And they built them a life But his old girlfriend saw a moment of weakness She said, if you're lonely come see me sometime But he said, I've been through the water and I've come out clean, yeah Got new clothes to cover me And you don't wear your old shoes On your brand new feet When you've been through the water 
So what's next? I've had the voice of Jesus calling me to come. I have made a decision to publicly announce my allegiance to him. I have pledged allegiance to the lamb. And now life is supposed to go smooth. And boy, are we shocked. What a surprise. Wow. It's the one thing I wish someone had told me when I made a decision to be baptized. Hey, not to scare you, but for you to be aware that, yeah, now there's a target on your back. The devil called and he wants you back. Keep it in mind. I am thankful for the grace that has been extended to me over and over and over again. So thankful. Have you ever let your mind go down the rabbit hole of what life would have been like if Jesus had not succeeded at living a sinless life, had not succeeded in dying on the cross for you and I? It's a given. It's in the Bible. It's taught to us since we're just tiny what happened and how the story of salvation went. But what if? What if there would be no point to our existence whatsoever? Every man for himself, seriously. Every man for himself. Your reason for existing would solely be based on being as happy as you can, living as long as you can, if you can live happy. But Jesus didn't fail. Somehow, some way, he managed to push through. And boy, did he have a target on his back in the shape of stripes. I am so grateful that not only did he die on the cross for me, not only did he give me an earthly example of how I should be patterning my life, but he's in heaven 
even now, as my lawyer, my defender, my judge, when God says to him, have you seen what Scott has done? All Jesus has to say is, Father, do you remember what I did? He's sorry. And my blood covers that. And then God sees me through the contact lenses of Jesus minus the sin. I'm so grateful for that. So when my daughters decide someday, and I'm begging God, they do, to make the decision to go into the waters of baptism as a very real statement of their faith. I want to make sure that they understand that now life gets real serious. It gets real good. It can get real challenging. And now you hang on to Jesus tighter than you ever have in your life. Because that ride is pretty wild. God's grace is amazing. I don't think we'll ever fully understand it. I think we will spend eternity trying to. But until then, we have little tiny examples of what it is like. When I get pulled over (laughs) for speeding and I get let go, that is probably the most common analogy we give to grace. And it is a very um, low-key analogy. But it's good because it's easy to understand, and I've used it with my kids. If you want to understand grace, You have to understand that God is saying you deserve to be punished, but you're not. And then I have to learn to extend that grace to even my kids. There are those times when I can see it in their eyes. Dad, I really am sorry. I've had Emma tell me that. She's five. I have had her tell me, Dad, I'm so sorry. And I look in her eyes, and Jesus takes over, and I realize this is one of those moments when she can learn about grace. I will not show her grace on its own because if that's all I ever show her, there's half of God she'll never know. But there are those times when God tells me in my heart, this is a time for grace. God's amazing grace. That's the wrong one. That's the right one. My faithful Father Enduring friend Your tender mercies Like a river With no end It overwhelms me Covers my sin each time I come into your presence. I stand in wonder once again because your grace still amazes me and 
speed bumps in the journey. When you are hanging on and clinging to the grace of God. But there are those speed bumps that have nothing to do with anything you've done. There are these external influences. The ones we have no control over. And sometimes those are really, really hard to wrap our minds around because there is a part of us and there's a part of me that will always say, God, if I'm, if I'm walking in your will, I would hope to receive some blessing for that. Maybe, maybe you'll shield me from some of the pain that the world has to offer. Because God, I'm walking in your, in your will. It's one of the f- most eye-opening things as a Christian is when bad things start to happen to us and sometimes they don't just come in ones, they come in threes and fours and fives and you go, God, seriously? What have I done to earn this? And we have this Job moment and it's why Job is in the Bible. Because God knew. He's like, I know, I know my kids they're going to think that I'm doing this to them. They're going to think that I'm, uh, I'm abandoning them. And so I'm going to throw this story in about Job so they can read it and be reminded that that's really not how the story goes. Sometimes Satan says, hey, God, Steve loves you. But let me have Stephen for a couple weeks. And let's see how real it really is. And God says, this is going to hurt to watch. And God can't give Stephen a heads up because that kind of foils the plan. But God knows him in his heart and he knows his core and he knows he's going to make it through this. And so God says, okay, you can't kill him. You can put him through everything else. And then Stephen is left to go, why, God? It's those times in our journey when we just don't understand what is going on around us. And God gives us Job, and he says, look, you're going to go through this. You're going to go through it. I'm not putting you through it because I want to put you through it. I'm just allowing sin to have its natural course and way. But when you come out of this, number one, you're going to prove something to the universe. And number two, you are going to come out of it stronger than you've ever been before. Can you imagine the faith of Job? You know, the Bible stops the story when Job gets his camels back and gets new kids and gets new cars and boats. I kind of wish it took it further. What was Job's faith like? when it was all said and done. We can just imagine. Those moments in our lives when it's not a mountaintop experience, we don't feel particularly close to God. I'm going to tell you right now, Heather and I, we talk about seasons in our journey. This has been a season this past year. What a season. In just a a matter of a few short months, I want to say not even more than two, my grandmother passes away. I get a phone call here in Florida. I'm in Pennsylvania. I can't. There's no. I know some people think that the whole closure thing is psychobabble. I don't believe that personally. I think closure is a big deal. 
God did not design in us a way to handle death. It wasn't part of the plan. So we just figure it out as we go. And everybody handles it differently. I have to have bookends in the different chapters of my life. It's just the way I'm built. I have to have it. A start and an end. It's why when I'm not going to see you for a while, I have to hug you. I have to say goodbye. Some people are like, oh, don't say goodbye. I just say till next time. I have to. It's just, it's just the, it's what closes these little chapters to my life. Otherwise, I just feel like I haven't finished it. And so when I got a phone call that my grandmother had passed away, and this is a grandmother, by the way, that we were so close to. I remember when Heather and I got first married, we were in Florida doing a concert tour. This was 12 years ago. Doing a concert tour here for seven months, and our bus was parked at, and, at Forest Lake Academy before they put the new laundry facility in. And my grandmother lives in, in Orlando, and so we were able to go to her house almost every day, probably three to four days a week we would go there. And we would take her grocery shopping. And, uh, you know, she's Indian from India, so you've got to understand culturally she is like the maternal, awesome, old-school grandmother. And she would teach my wife every day how to make various curries. And so my wife can make genuine southern Indian food and do it really, really well because she had my grandmother teaching her constantly. My grandmother would buy us all the different utensils you were supposed to cook with. This is the connection we had with her. So when I heard that she had passed, it was a big deal. It was a big deal because my mind just got this phone call or this text message and said, okay, nanny's gone. And my mind knew it, but my heart wouldn't believe it. My heart was going, Next time we go to Florida, I'm going to see Nanny like I always do. And I kept having this weird disconnect between my mind and my heart. And so I finally called my aunt and I said, Auntie, before you sell her house, i got to come down there and just walk through the house. I know it sounds weird. That doesn't make sense. But she's like, no, I totally get it. Feel free. So we did. Heather came with me. We just packed up, drove from Pennsylvania to Florida. I was able to walk through the house, see where Nanny and I would sit on the couch and joke together, see where my wife was being taught by her how to cook in that little tiny kitchen of hers, see her bedroom where she would be taking naps during the day. I just got to see the house empty, and I had my bookend. I had my closure. Not too long after, Heather gets a phone call that her grandmother is dying. We go home. She spends the last few days of her grandmother's life with her. It was unexpected. It was due to a fall. Moves as her grandmother. This is a woman who... Uh, used to make it into the local paper because she had this beautiful Christmas village. She would take an entire bedroom of her house and every year set up this beautiful ceramic Christmas village, this light-up village, and people would come and tour it. So she ended up in the newspaper because of that. This is the kind of woman she was. Every year she had a different Christmas theme. It was snowmen or it was candy canes or it was angels. And so we went to her house for Christmas. We knew you would walk in her house and you would feel like you were walking into Christmas. That's who she was. And Heather adored her. No closure, no funeral. Three days before Christmas, my dad called me and he said, Scott, something happened to your stepmom. Woman I call mama, she's been married to my dad for 32 years. She treated me like a son. Her daughters from her previous marriage, from her husband who had passed away, treated me as a brother. I said, what's wrong with mama? He said, well, we went to bed last night like normal. We held hands. We prayed. We had devotions. We talked. We fell asleep. This morning, I can't wake her up. And I said, did you take her to the hospital? He says, I can't because they're full of COVID patients, and I can't. I don't want to take her there if something's seriously wrong with her. 
and then she is there alone, and I can't go in with her. So they called a medical team in. They came and checked on her. Turns out she had had a massive stroke, completely freak thing in the middle of the night. It's actually a very peaceful way for her to pass to her rest. I mean, no one's complaining about that part of it. But it was unexpected. Within 12 hours of that conversation with my dad, she had passed away. My dad has said something I thought was pretty profound. He said, Scott, I am so lonely. I talk to him a lot. I have four-hour-long conversations with him now. He said, I'm just so lonely. He says, he called her Sass. That was kind of the reputation she had. Hey, Sass. Hey, Sass, did you see what I just saw on the news? Oh, yeah. He's talking to empty air. Hey, Sass, did you see what Scotty just posted on Facebook with his girls? Oh, Sass is not in the other room. And he goes through this over and over and over again. He's, he's, he's going to a grief share group, and I'm really glad he's doing that. But my dad said to me, I know that I'm not alone. I feel so lonely, but I know that God is with me. I know he's here. And I have been in my Bible probably more than I've ever been in my life. And I said, Dad, you're doing the right thing. I have no advice I could possibly give you. You're doing the right thing. How many times do we go through life and we're going through this valley experience in our journey and we feel super alone? I have felt that. Your head says, listen, it's in the Bible. You're never alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Good, got it here. And then your heart goes, ah, I feel really lonely. And your head's going, get it together, heart. And your heart's going, I know, but my feelings, ah. And there's this disconnect. It's why that poem, that Footprints in the Sand poem, is so famous. God, when things got crazy, why are there one set of footprints? All of a sudden, where'd you go? Hey, those are not your footprints, by the way. Those are mine, he says, and I'm carrying you. And there are those times in our experience when God is walking right beside us because he is very pleased with the journey that we're on. We're walking in him. I think Enoch had that experience. There are times in our journey when God is behind us and he's pushing us because we're very reluctant to take the next step that he wants us to take. He says, come on, you can do this. No, yes, you got to try this. I don't want to, this is scary. And he goes, yeah, you got to do this, trust me. And then there are those times he's in front of us and he's guiding the way because the fog is too thick. We don't know where we're going and, and he has to lead and we just follow. And then there are those times when God is carrying us because we can't take another step. When Laura Story wrote the song Blessings, some of you know that story. Her husband, they were in their 20s, had been diagnosed with a very serious brain tumor. I think that crisis experience they went through, because it got really bad, it wasn't malignant, but he had surgery for it, he got an infection, it caused brain damage, he was paralyzed completely for several months because of it. They were able to um, teach him to walk and talk again, he was able to learn to brush his teeth and drive and all these things. He still has short-term memory loss in a major way. If you ever go to his house, they'll tell you that there are post-it notes all over the house just to try to keep his short-term it, that is his short-term memory. It's the post-it notes. At a time when they could have said, God, where on earth were you? They didn't. They said, God, 
There's a blessing in this somewhere. We don't know what it is, but we're looking for it. And I keep trying to tell my dad that, Dad, somewhere in your grief, God is going to reach down and he's going to bless you in a major way. Just make sure you're ready for that. Keep your eyes open for that. Even in your grief, and you're allowed to grieve, and take your time and do it however you do it. You do you, Dad. I'm here for you. But just wait, because God is going to do something very beautiful in your life. And this song celebrates that. And we pray for peace Comfort for family And protection while we sleep And we pray for healing And prosperity And we pray for your mighty hand suffering and all the while you hear each spoken name and love us way too much to give us lesser things because what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights what it takes to know you're near And what if trials of this life Are your mercies in disguise And we pray for wisdom In your voice to hear we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness and we doubt your love. As if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe and what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears and what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to not your need What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? And when friends betray us, and when darkness seems to win, we know the pain reminds our hearts that this is not, this is not our home. This is not our home. 
close with two final songs that wrap up the journey at least from my perspective the final song being a song that is a reminder that someday we are going to behold Jesus face to face we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it, and someday it's actually going to be reality, and it's going to blow our minds. Heather and I talk about heaven all the time. I think we just so badly want to be there yesterday that we can't help it. Can't help it. I'm 38. It's only taken 38 short years for me to get pretty tired of sin. It's only taken 38 years for me to get tired of seeing people hurt. To get tired of hearing my dad cry on the phone. It's only taken 38 years. This past year accelerated that feeling more than ever as I saw people so dramatically affected by everything going on. The whole picture. People die lonely because they couldn't see their family. People who weren't visited in nursing homes because they couldn't. We saw pastors in the Michigan conference pass away during one of the loneliest years of their lives. Can you imagine being a pastor? You were called to get in front of people and just lead them to the foot of the cross every week. It's your passion. It's what you love to do. And all of a sudden, it's gone. You can't. You can do it over Zoom. It's not the same. I did a bunch of Zoom concerts. I'm telling you, it's not the same. <laughs> this song is awesome. It's a song that's usually sung by a friend of mine. She is an amazing singer. I sing with her at various events all the time. I just did a Christmas concert with her in Pennsylvania. She sings this song called He Is Here. And every time she sings it, I it just it brings tears to my eyes every time because I keep thinking about how many people, especially this past year, have just struggled with that loneliness thing. They can't get out and interact with people. How my dad is struggling with loneliness. How Heather's 
grandpa is struggling with loneliness after losing their companion of a bajillion years. And this song is beautiful. I sense an awesome moving of the Holy Spirit. I see his countenance resting on your face. I know that there are angels hovering all around us for the presence of the Lord is in this place. Just recently, Heather and I, and I'm, I, this is just the season of life that we're in, I'm telling you. We were uh, in Pennsylvania for a funeral. A friend of ours uh, had a, a daughter who was 28 years old, lost her life. It was a very tragic situation, super tragic. should have never happened, and it did. And, and we were attending this funeral. It was a military funeral. You guys have probably attended military funerals before, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're well done. If you're going to honor somebody's legacy, and you can do it with a military funeral, it is the best way. Wow, are they well done. And Leah was honored by her fellow servicemen and women that day in a beautiful way. They talked about her accomplishments, the different places she served, the different bases, the different people she interacted with, the military police, even someone from the military police said she did a short stint with the military police, and I just loved Leah. She was full of life. She was always encouraging. People talked about how she affected their lives. And by the way, side note, I believe that we should be telling people what we think about them while they're alive, by the way. Don't wait. Tell them while they're alive. If I'm complimenting you, it's because now's the chance to do it. I may not be at your funeral doing it because I did it while you were alive. And so everybody's saying these wonderful, beautiful things about Leah. And then the time comes for the, the flag folding. Oh giving the flag to her mother. The time comes to posthumously award her with her next rank that she was awarded in January, but because of COVID, they couldn't do the ceremony, so she's awarded it. And the badges and the stripes are given to her mother. The time comes for taps to be played. And then roll call. I have never seen roll call at a military funeral in my life until that day. And it will haunt me forever. Because all of the military personnel in their dress uniforms and their white gloves looking as sharp as ever were called upon by their commander. Jack Johnson, please report. Jack Johnson, here, sir. Stephanie Miller, report. Stephanie Miller, here, sir. Standing as they read out their names one by one. And then they come to Leah. Leah Knowlton, report. Silence. Leah Knowlton, report. Nothing. Leah Knowlton, report. And I watch as that command her very slowly, very reverently, saluted her casket with a farewell salute. when we are called upon some day to report into heaven, when they call my name, will there be silence? God is here with us right now. His presence is here. And he stirs our hearts every day at worship, when you're driving your car, when you're at work, when you're at church. He will stir your heart throughout moments of the day to say, hey, 
I'm here. What do you need for me? What can I do for you? Or, hey, I need you to do this for me. We need to be in constant connection with him so that someday when he's doing roll call in heaven, there isn't silence. And for her mom, when her mom has those moments of loneliness, when she feels so alone, I hope she can realize that in spite of her heart and what it's telling her, her mind knows that she is not alone. Until he comes and she gets to see her daughter again, she will not be alone in her grief. And this song celebrates that. Yes. 
patient as we've gone through this journey. This journey is about to end, <laughs> and the journey into our wonderful lunch is going to begin. I want to just close with this song here, and then I think it's Stephen or Kendall. Someone's going to chat with you guys a little bit. It's going to be Kendall afterwards. Um, but let me just close with this. I'm going to read you some of the lyrics to this song so that you understand them. It's wordy. This is a Getty song, you guys. If you know about the Gettys, they're modern-day hymn writers. Someday I think we're going to sing their songs out of our hymn book because they're just those beautiful anthems. And this is one of them. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of my guilt, within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, 
the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. It's in our name, Adventist. We are waiting very, very excitedly for him to come. And it's very simple. Love God, love people. Take as many with you as you can. Have your arms out open wide on the journey to heaven and hopefully you can catch some people along the way who are about to fall off that path. It's that simple. We get caught up in a lot of other stuff. Maybe some of it has merit. Maybe some of it doesn't. But at the end of the day, if you have to recalibrate and recenter and say, what is my purpose in life, God? What am I supposed to be doing with my time and my talents before I'm dead. Between now and dead, what do you want me to do? Put your arms out open wide, love God, and love people. All the way until he comes. For the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while Stands. No tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of my Guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him in pardon. Look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased 
by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and 